Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is the Webbox Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley. It's almost Christmas. And on today's podcast, it's panto time. Oh, no, it isn't. Oh, yes, it is. We bring you the Times Radio Panto this year. It is Chul's Dickens A Christmas Carol, Eberishi Scrooge, visited by three ghosts, the ghosts of Prime Minister's past, present and future. Before that, though, it's time for the columnists. And in the run-up to Christmas, we've been looking back on the year with all of our favourite columnists. Plus, James Johnson, former pollster at number 10, who runs the Times Radio Focus Group for us each month. He's been chairing the Times Radio Festive Focus Group with Ray Sylvester, Danny Finkelstein, David Aronovich, Alice Thompson, James Marriott and Melanie Reid. So today, we turn our attention to what happens next year. Here are the group's political predictions for 2023, starting with David Aronovich. I predict for 2023 that there won't be a general election. There are so many kind of contingent factors, but the biggest contingent factor of all is the war in Ukraine, because there's so much hanging upon it, and because there's such a discussion about whether or not the West has the staying power. And I'm sorry to kind of break this up into go kind of foreigners, but that has a very, very big impact upon us here too, uh, and so on. Um, and because you can't make a prediction about what will happen and how that war will end, makes it very difficult to make any useful prediction about uh, anything other than that uh, British politics will remain roughly in its course. I mean, you would expect uh, the Tories to close the gap a little upon Labour. Um, but if Labour stays at sort of 15 to 10 points ahead for, well, 15 points ahead, really, I suppose, then I think we'd have to say that not much will have changed by the end of 2023. The Liberal Democrats will continue to languish. Uh, there'll be a numerous by-elections, which the Conservative Party will lose. Uh, it'll do very badly in the May elections, and it'll cause a sort of slight resurgence in the uh, idea that Boris Johnson could rise again and remove Rishi Sunak and become Prime Minister, um, it'll uh, it'll cause the flurry in the press, and then it'll be concluded that he can't actually do that, um, <laughs> and it'll subside again. Rachel? It's going to be very painful, and the cost of living crisis is going to continue. The impact of uh, spending squeezes will start to be felt in hospitals and schools and welfare, even more than currently. Uh, I think it's going to be incredibly tough, and it's going to be hard for any government that's in charge. And as Danny says, Boris Johnson will be waiting in the wings, playing footsie with the Tory party whenever possible, trying to make out that he's a winner when, of course, he wouldn't be. 
I think Rishi Sunak is going to behave in a much, he's going to carry on being very steady. He's going to carry on being dull. Everyone's going to really try and, and, uh, and keep below the parapet. And I think that, for instance, the, the, the 20% of the, of the Conservative Party that don't possess emails, I think they are going to be very, very disappointed with the way 2023 pans out for their dreams and ambitions. I, I agree with Rachel, it's going to be an absolutely nightmare year and that we are going to carry on having these strikes and the cost of things are really going to start to hit after Christmas. Um, and actually, Melanie's right, I think, about the boring and dull. I think it's Nigel Farage is the one that I'm quite worried about, as well as Boris Johnson. I think we're going to get both of those two being the loudest voices, the most angry, um, the biggest opposition almost, actually, sometimes more than Labour. And I think that's what's going to rattle the Tories, that they're going to have these two men who are really very good speakers and very smooth and very outspoken when everyone else is trying to be dull, messing everything up for everyone else. And I think it'll be interesting to watch that. If I'm allowed to say, um, this is maybe not a very good prediction, but I think the things people were saying about the kind of fundamental political stasis kind of ring true for me. I mean, obviously politics is all about being disrupted by contingent events and disasters and crises nobody, nobody can see. But it's hard to see now how the fundamental dynamic of the Conservatives, you know, on the back foot, the economy in trouble, people blaming them for it, and Labour benefiting because of that. I find it hard to see how that sort of dynamic changes and how we, you know, the space we're in now where the kind of Conservatives in trouble are sort of treating Labour more seriously, expecting them to be the next government. It would take something to change that, I think, in my feeling. Does anyone here think that by the end of 2023, Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak won't be the main party leaders? No. No, I don't. We all thought that Boris was going to be here at this time last year, so it makes me nervous because you just don't know anymore with the Tory party. Look, it's a small... You can't predict the, the David was right in his point. You can't make predictions are with a hundred percent accuracy. There's a small chance that obviously, you know, I, I always used to point this out with Jeremy Corbyn. I used to say I'm not an actuary. I don't know, but I would think I would think that that's by far the largest chance. Danny Finkelstein there on the Times Radio Festive Focus Group with our co- uh, columnists. Rachel Sylvester, David Amonovich, Alice Thompson, James Mowat and Melanie Reed. So that's their political predictions of 2023, but now things get really heated. Former number 10 pollster James Johnson chairing the focus group asked them for their best ever Christmas film. Here's Melanie Reid. Can I possibly sort of not exactly have a film, but but a, a video, a pop video? And for me, it's it's the Pogues. It's the it's Shane McGowan and Kirsty McCall and the dustbins and, you know, the the, the guys of the N, NYPD PD choir singing Galway Bay. The wonderful fact is that the uh, New York PDY didn't actually have a choir. They had a pipes and drums band and uh, they were more drunk than the, the Pogues when it was filmed. And it was it just to me, it, it speaks to the 1980s and the 1990s and to Christmas. Rachel, best Christmas film? Uh, Home Alone, definitely. I have to watch it every year with my children. And that scene at the end where he's um, defending himself against the invading burglars is just brilliant. You can never tire of it and gets you in the mood for Christmas as well. Although there's debate sometimes about whether Home Alone 2 is better in our house, but I don't <laughs> think so. It's got to be Home Alone 1. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Danny, best Christmas film? It's a Wonderful Life is my choice. Um, I've watched that over and over again and I really, I really like it. Uh, my least favourite is Love, actually, I have to say, because I think all the women are absolutely... <laughs> 
they're always secretaries or they're women that have been scorned or they are um, in every way inadequate and it annoys me there's a single strong woman in it. I think Living that came out this year with Bill Nye is a much better Bill Nye film and actually a much more feel-good film, so I'd quite like to go and see that again with the family. And if not, uh, Sound of Music, Kung Fu Panda, very unchristmasy, but one of my favourite. I'll try and force everyone to watch that. David, favourite film? Zulu. Because I can't stand Christmas films. <laughs> and incidentally, incidentally, you you could have asked Danny what his favourite Hanukkah film is, but she didn't, which is just uh, the hot... To be honest, the entire series of of conventions surrounding Christmas, including Christmas films, leaves me completely cold. A sort of Hollywoodized schmaltz stuck in the middle of everything, etc. I mean, this is about the birth of your saviour, for God's sake, James. I mean, you know, you sound like most... that person in Seinfeld. You know, uh, George's dad. Totally, that's me. That is that <laughs> is definitely me. You yeah. the Festivus. And your family, they probably had one of these poles, didn't they? And they all danced around it. The Festivus pole. <laughs> uh, don't attack my family, Danny. I'm easily the worst at it. <laughs> um, they're not at all representative of my kind of... No, I, 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 I absolutely hate emotional manipulation on the part of uh, filmmakers and, and things like this. I mean, although Living is actually quite a fine film and it's actually based on a Kurosawa film, which is even better um, and should be seen, of course, in the original Japanese, um, uh, it's... It is nevertheless this kind of sentimentalization, which is really, which, and I do think it becomes its acme in love, actually, Alice. I think you're completely right, which is the smuggest film in the history of filmmaking uh, and should actually probably be prescribed. I mean, it should, I mean, if I was to come to power tomorrow, uh, I would ban love, actually, immediately. It would be my first, absolutely my first act. But since I had to watch a film on Christmas Day, why not watch a film which is genuinely offensive? Uh, and I'll watch Zulu. Does anybody like springs <laughs> the defence of either Love Actually or Christmas films in general? Well, I was going yeah, to say Love Actually um, as, as my as my film, but then I, I, I felt cautious about it after uh, David putting David Foreman it against it. Uh, it's an opinion I've held for a very long time, and I haven't actually watched the film for a few years. But I think because it's becoming increasingly controversial, I might I might, I might stick with it. I think it's quite I, funny. I really love it. I love it, love it too, James. I, I don't there know. I'm not being. I'm not being bullied out of it by all these misanthropes. Um, the uh, the uh, I I think it's I think it's great fun, and I don't mind all this uh, the uh, misogyny. Schmaltz. You don't mind the misogyny. <laughs> well, of course, you know, no, that's a low blow. Obviously, um, I'm not uh, sticking up for any individual interchange, but I but I uh, I like it overall. Yeah. James, what's your what's your reasoning for for why you like it? Well, okay, it's a bit it's a bit it's a bit hazy, but I was recently watching on YouTube the various clips of um the character Bill Nye plays, the kind of fading pop star who's attempting to reinterpret like classic pop songs into Christmas songs. I just think it's really funny. I thought it's sort of heartwarming. It makes it feel Christmassy. I'm sure it's not a masterpiece of cinema, but then I'm not a cinema critic, uh, so yeah. That was today's festive focus group with Rachel Sylvester, Daniel Finkelstein, David Ivanovich, Alice Thompson, James Marriott and Melanie Reed discussing their favourite Christmas films. Tomorrow, we'll hear from them on what they do on Christmas Day. Don't forget, you can read them all in the Times and the Sunday Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash timesredbox. Up next, it's the Panto. Hey. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to the Red Box Podcast. Now, a very special festive treat. It's Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. Jacob was dead. To begin with, there's no doubt whatever about that. The register of the death of his career was observed by the clergyman, the clerks and the chief political correspondents. Old Jacob Rees-Marley's career is as dead as a doornail. I hope that's clear. Oh, yes, it is. Ever wishy Scrooge knew he was finished? Of course he did. Scrooge and Jacob Rees-Marley sat around the same cabinet table for I don't know how many years. There is no doubt that Jacob Rees-Marley's career was dead. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the story that I'm about to relate. Once upon a time's radio, on Christmas Eve, no less, old Eberishy Scrooge sat busy in his Downing Street counting house. It was cold, bleak, biting weather. Millions of people are going to face the risk of destitution this winter. Literally millions. The city clocks had only just gone three. Candles were flaring in the windows because National Grid were paying people to turn their lights off. The swirling fog was more dense than even Andrew Bridgen. Old Scrooge went back to his desk but kept the door open slightly so he could keep an eye on his clerk, who was shivering as he struggled to make the numbers add up while muttering under his breath. Anyone who says there are easy answers is not being straight. Scrooge could hear people in the street outside coughing and waffling and stamping their feet on the pavement to keep warm while shouting daft questions for Sky News. Did you lie at the dispatch box? Do you endorse law-breaking in Cabinet? Are you being loyal to save your job? Do you think a future Prime Minister would make you Foreign Secretary? Then, a knock at the door. Nephew Hancock had come to see him. I'd like to wish you all a Merry Christmas. Bah humbug. Said Scrooge, in an act of seasonal generosity, 
Nephew asked Scrooge to join his family for a Christmas dinner of turkey and all the trimmings. See the candle of hope. Scrooge muttered that Nephew already had a reputation for giving a good stuffing. Oh, give over. Alas, Scrooge was unimpressed, demanding to know why his nephew had even got together with his better half. I haven't had casual sex with anybody. Yeah. Fell in love with somebody. They exchanged their goodbyes. It's very good to have me. Thank you very much. But as the nephew left, two more well-meaning gentlemen arrived. They demanded to know what old Scrooge was going to do for the needy and desperate in their parties. Liberal Democrats will be ready. I have been the leader of the SNP group for the last five and a half years. Scrooge, though, was having none of it. I can't protect everyone. And he sent them on their way. So, at the end of the day, Scrooge went over to his clerk and reluctantly admitted it was time to stop working. Scrooge then did what he always did and went up to his rooms, a gloomy set of rooms in a gloomy old building. He sat alone reading the papers in his red box. Then he got his social media team in to film him sitting alone reading the papers in his red box. Hi everyone, let me get straight to the point. Scrooge then went out to walk the streets of Whitehall to get some footage of him meeting normal, ordinary, hard-working, carefully vetted people. Hello. Before returning home for the evening, approaching the big black door of number 10, he glanced upon the knocker and saw the face of one of his biggest knockers, his former Secretary of Business. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. The old-fashioned ghostly glasses set upon a pale ghostly face between a ghostly top hat. Jacob Rees Marley looked exactly the same as he'd always done. Scrooge stared hard at this strange antiquarian sight and suddenly it was a knocker again, so he went inside. Scrooge looked carefully at the inside of the door to see if he could see old Jacob Rees Marley's tailcoat sticking out into the hall. But there was no sign of old Rees Marley just the other nuts and loose screws he was always surrounded by. Scrooge checked each room to see that everything was right and proper. There was the sitting room, the dining room, the cabinet room and the exercise room where he spent his mornings on his peloton watching videos by a strange man called Cody Rigsby telling him to imagine he's a plate of hot food. I need you to do it so well that you're grabbing everybody's attention, okay? Like no one can take their eyes off of you. You are a hot, steaming plate of fajitas at a packed chilies on a Friday night. Just turning heads, getting everybody's attention. Is that a fajita? Genuinely, every morning, Eberishi Scrooge gets up and pretends to be a steaming hot plate of fajitas. Scrooge then slowly climbed the stairs, lined with the haunting pictures of his predecessors. Quite satisfied that all was in order, he closed the door and locked himself in. Scrooge secured the triple lock to ensure that no young people could get in and get on or get their hands on what was rightfully the property of the old. He put on his Prada slippers, pulled his hoodie over his shirt and tie, and poured himself a nightcap. Um, and actually, my favourite drink is is not even Coke; it's called Mexican Coke. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm a Coke oh. addict, oh, uh, a total Coke addict. Quite suddenly and unexpectedly, a bell that had not rung for years began to sound, having only recently been the subject of a costly and overrunning restoration program. Then it ceased as quickly as it had begun. From outside his door, he could hear strange noises, 
like the dragging of furniture. Perhaps it was the ghosts of long-forgotten reshuffles rearranging deck chairs. Then came the clanking of chains, perhaps of watch chains. They came up the stairs, and then it passed straight through the locked door. He looked again and realised it was the ghost of Jacob Rees-Marley. Good morning. Jacob Rees-Marley went on to explain that Scrooge would be visited by three spirits. Scrooge explained he didn't drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm a cunt oh. addict. Oh, a total cunt addict. But the ghost of Rhys Marley made clear we didn't need to go through that again. And with that, he went to the window and flew out across the London skyline. Scrooge looked back at the locked door. Given the lateness of the hour, he lay down in his bed, where he instantly fell asleep. Alone in Downing Street, Eberishy Scrooge woke with a jolt as the bell struck one. Scrooge sat and waited for the ghost. something strange in your neighbourhood Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! But there was no sign of the ghost So Eberishy Scrooge sat and waited If there's something strange in your neighbourhood Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! When the ghost finally arrived it was a strange figure Like a child yet not so like a child as like a middle-aged man behaving like a child And upon his head sat what appeared at first to be a crown carefully constructed from threads of gold but on closer inspection was just the remnants of his hair woven in his preferred style known as inelegant cover-up. The suit was crumpled, the tie was twisted and too long. He hoiked the trousers up at the back. It was the ghost of Prime Minister's past. Hi folks, it's Boris Johnson here. He took Scrooge by the hand and together they just walked through the nearest wall. Suddenly they were in a country lane with large houses on all sides. Good heavens, thought Scrooge, this is where I grew up. Let me tell you a story, said Scrooge. And here he was as a youngster, being just totally normal. I have friends who are aristocrats, I have friends who are upper class, I have friends who are, you know, working class, but I'm not working class. There followed a series of flashbacks which brought a tear to the eye. I mean, the greatest sacrifice I've made is I have been an appalling husband and father. I'm very good, very good indeed. I have a sugar problem, so I, I tend to have a Twix and a can of Sprite. Thanks, PM. Then, after some time had passed, it became clear that the spirit had lost his way. Uh, forgive me. Forgive me. Me. I don't know if you've been to Peppa Pig World. Who's been to Pans? I've been to, who's been to Peppa Pig World. There were scenes of celebration. Well, my friends, good morning, everybody, my friends. Well, we did it. We did it. But then they also saw times when there could be no coming together, no gatherings. You must stay at home. They travelled on, leaving the high rooftops to swoop down and approach a black-fronted mansion where old Fuzzywig was having another one of his famous Christmas parties. There were party hats and quizzes and toasts and a suitcase of booze. I have been repeatedly assured that there was no party. Now let's see another party, this time for a birthday. He was, in a sense, ambushed with a cake. Scrooge had seen too much. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the cabinet room for a COVID meeting. Yeah, I mean, you're asking me about something that happened almost two years ago. No more, spirit, no more. Take me home, Scrooge pleaded. There will be more horrifying scenes to come, just not from this spirit. 
after performing some pretty difficult, if not astonishing, feats. I am now going to hand over the controls seamlessly to someone else. Scrooge looked back as the ghost of Prime Minister's past vanished. Hasta la vista, baby! And as suddenly as he'd left, old Scrooge was back in his bed, exhausted, overcome by the need to sleep, while he awaited the next visit. Eberishi Scrooge woke in the middle of the night and sat bolt upright in bed. He briefly felt as cold as someone on a prepayment meter, but threw another wad of fifties on the fire. There was something in the other room. A light, perhaps. Whatever it was, it seemed really quite dim as it called out his name. Richard. Richard. This ghost was ready to hit the ground from day one, but anyone looking upon that scene might wonder who it was who lay before them. No, hard to identify. Maybe uh, minor royals, members of the... I can't identify them we at this point. We can't spot everyone, no. unfortunately. Was, I'm just told that was Liz Trust. Scrooge cried out, wondering if the intruder was friend or foe. The, the jury's out. Came a voice through the wall. He opened the adjoining door to find the next room had been transformed, glistening in green, rich foliage and crisp leaves, and heaped upon the floor was all the food you could imagine. Apples, pears, cheese, Cornish sardines, Herefordshire pears, Norfolk turkey, Melton Mowbray pork pies, Yorkshire tea, and of course, black pudding. And there, sitting upon the couch, was the second spirit, the ghost of Prime Minister's present. I'm Liz Truss. She asked Scrooge to come forward and follow her, and as he did so, all the food and cheese vanished Instantly. That is a disgrace. Everything disappeared. The room, the fire, the hour of the night. Suddenly they were in a city street. It was cold and almost dark, but the people seemed strangely cheerful despite the rising cost of living and the lack of transport or nurses or paramedics or posts and all the shuttered shops and the looming threat of a new Mrs Brown's Boys Christmas special. The ghost of Prime Minister's presence still carried a torch for her magical beliefs. She would wave it and wealth would trickle down to those at the very bottom. Growth, growth and growth. But it transpired that she was. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Why was she even here, Scrooge wondered. I'm genuinely unclear. So the spirit set out on her travels to charm lots of local people by discussing their local issues. Opened up the stable door and spooked the horses so much you could almost see the economy being dragged behind them. And Lydia says, are you ashamed of what you've done, are you? Have you taken the keys to the country and crashed the economy? Their next stop was what was once the home of the spirit's own clerk, Quasi Quatchit. His tiny Tim or mini budget had died a death after a very short time and he'd been dismissed, only finding out about his removal after reading a piece in the Daily Universal Register. A little turbulence. Now number 11 was the home of Jeremy Taxit. His tiny or Tim statement had crippled everyone else. Well, we're all going to be paying a bit more tax, I'm afraid. Scrooge desperately looked to the spirit for an explanation for their visit. Um. They were watching Jeremy Taxit try to carve up what he'd got, but left everyone feeling short-changed. His goose was truly cooked. And then... Jeremy Taxit raised a toast. 
Well, I've given this a lot of thought. Uh, I'm supporting Rishi Sunak. Everyone laughed. Enough! The spirit took Scrooge and they moved on, flying out to sea where the conditions worsened. I am confident that together we can ride out the storm. But the storm was too great, so they headed to the home of nephew Hancock. And I'm incredibly excited. Time and again, nephew had opened his arms to Scrooge, who had just walked past and pretended he hadn't seen him. Come forward now and get your jab. But old Scrooge and his spirit guide stood and watched the festive scene. There was food and then after tea, music and singing. You between my arms. That one. Barefoot on the cross. Don't get me singing, I'm terrible. No, no, Listening to my favourite song. When you saw you... What's it called? Um, perfect. It's called Perfect. Scrooge looked down and noticed something protruding from the spirit's robes. From there emerged two pathetic figures. This boy is ignorance. Frankly, Russia should go away. It should shut up. And this girl is want. Boris Johnson is a winner. You know, if he went up and, you know, kicked a dog, I'd probably withdraw my support for him. It was a chilling scene. Scrooge froze until suddenly the bell struck 12. The spirit, though, was adamant she was going nowhere. I am a fighter and not a quitter. And with that, she was gone. She'd vanished so quickly that no one could be sure where she was. The Prime Minister is not uh, under a desk. Scrooge looked about him and realised he was quite alone. Remembering the prediction of old Jacob Rees-Marley, he slowly lifted his eyes and his gaze fell upon the appalling prospect of the third and final phantom. The ghost slowly, gravely and quite boringly approached. This was the ghost of Prime Ministers yet to come. My dad was a toolmaker. My dad was a toolmaker in a factory. In my dad. From my dad. I remember my dad working with a spark eroder, submerging metal in a liquid and using an electrical charge to shape it. My dad literally... He spoke not another word which was a blessing, as Scrooge was already feeling tired and needed no further cause to drift into sleep. They headed out again into the city and came upon a little knot of men and women discussing the latest news. So, can Rishi Sunak turn it around? How bad is it? It's as bad as it has been for any new leader. My goodness, it's just rubbish being Rishi Sunak at the moment. Finally, the phantom himself spoke, but to Scrooge's ear, he made little sense. He's on Love Island. I'm reliably informed that contestants that give the public the ick get booted out. On they went to one of Scrooge's favourite taverns, a smoothie bar in San Francisco. But he didn't see himself there. He'd been forced to give back his green card. And then onto the green benches, but here too he was nowhere to be seen. Instead he watched as former housekeepers and special advisors and videographers walked into a pawnbroker's to raise a few pence from the sale of his personal effects. But not even cash converters wanted his old £180 smart mug. And then they moved on to a bleak, barren scene. And emerging from the swirling mist all at once, there was a vast concrete monument. These six pledges are now carved in stone. They're carved in stone because they won't be abandoned after the general election. No, sorry, that's the ghost of Prime Ministers we didn't have. Look over there, that memorial. Scrooge crept towards it, bent down, swept away the snow. 
and read what it said. Rishi Sunak, Prime Minister, 2022-23. He insisted desperately that he could change. Mistakes were made. And I have been elected, in part, to fix them. The spirit grew frustrated, realising that no matter what he asked, he'd get no actual answers to his questions. He could take no more and disappeared. Scrooge was suddenly back in his bed with a bump. He wondered where his best days as Prime Minister lay. It's so he went out into the street and set about spreading Christmas cheer. The Christmas story is one of hospitality and compassion. So without further ado, let's start this countdown. Are you ready? Five, four, three, two, one. He flicked the switch on the Christmas lights to the delight of children from miles around. And then he quickly turned them off again, remembering that even he couldn't afford the electric. And then he stopped a young man who just happened to be passing and wondering if there was anything he could do to help. Eberwishy Scrooge said he might just have a job for him. I feel so close to you right now, the boy replied. Scrooge went on to explain that he really was a changed man, which the young boy considered a major capital letters big news story. Scrooge realised he'd missed the deadline to get a turkey delivered, or indeed anything, but perhaps this young man might be able to find something else to eat this fine Christmas day. Uh, a scotch egg is a substantial meal. And perhaps Scrooge wondered he might like to come in and play a game. Get Matt Chorley to play it. At this, Scrooge had had enough, and he went back inside. He allowed a little chuckle to himself, and like all of the ghosts and ghouls and goves he'd met that night, he was at least ending the year as leader of my party and your Prime Minister. But, he insisted, he would change. He would do things differently. He would become the first Prime Minister in the history of all Prime Ministers to have a New Year relaunch. In 2023, he would make a series of speeches and write newspaper articles and tour the daytime TV sofas and go on local radio stations and make videos of himself shaking people by the hand and rolling up his sleeves and walking around hospitals with his tie tucked in trying to find a nurse. He would set out what he was all about in his most personal intervention yet. God help us. God help everyone. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. And we bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast from. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.